Have you heard about opioid dependency in newborn babies? Today's story touches upon the special needs of these little angels and how one organization helps them and their parents. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that inspire, educate, and give you hope. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast producer, The Motivated Mind Group. Opioid dependency is a serious problem in our society, not only in the lives of dependent adults, but in their newborn babies. Today, my guest is Tara Sundam, the founder of Hushabai Nursery. They provide assistance to opioid dependent babies, as well as counseling and assistance for their parents. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I understand that um, your profession is one that is a sensitive but a rewarding one as well. A nurse, practi- nurse practitioner, yes. and you represent and founded Hushabai Nursery. I do. Um, I love what I do. Uh, can it be challenging? It can be, but for the most part, I've been really blessed to take care of babies my entire career and now taking care of the entire family system. Which is something that a lot of people don't realize that once you have a baby, it's, just, it's not just about the baby. It's about the entire family, but you have a particular um, uniqueness about taking care of the babies and the families. Tell me more about these babies. Yeah, we care for really the tiniest victims of the opioid crisis. So the babies that have been exposed prenatally to opiates or other substances while they were growing inside their mamas. And when they come out, they're going through the painful withdrawal process that an adult would. So vomiting, diarrhea, um, inability to sleep, shakes, uh, really high-pitched cry. One mom explained to me withdraws the worst flu and migraine times 100. That's That's what we see. And I don't like having headaches. So I can imagine this little baby who doesn't know anything else but that as we get older, we are conditioned to things. We learn that, you know, a fever is not good. But then you come into this world with not having any experience of these things being not so good. Uh, That's that's not such a, a happy thing. And then what is it that you do that help these babies? Yeah, we have created a um, 12-bed nursery in Phoenix where we take babies all across um, Arizona. But we have a quiet, dark environment with one-to-one caregivers um, that is created specifically for babies that are going through a withdrawal process. So we take them out of the neonatal intensive care unit BP monitors, bright lights, everybody's busy, busy. And we bring them into a very much home-like environment, Um, not just for the baby, but for the entire family. And so then we really encourage families to come and be there, seeing if we can say the right thing at the right time Mm -hmm. to help families get well as their babies do. So it's a transition from the child being in the womb and then coming out and trying to find a more calming, uh, but conf- con- comforting and comfortable setting that that child came from, minus the fact that there's all this pain and withdrawals that this poor baby is having. Absolutely. What exactly are you doing in these dark rooms? 
uh, while we have different uh, techniques as far as how can you make a baby settle, you can make a shushing noise. Shh, shh, shh. That's mommy's heartbeat. You can wrap them in really, really tight like a little burrito. Make them feel like they're back inside mom. Um, We can do skin to skin where mom opens her shirt. We put baby in. We try to make them feel like they're back inside while they get through that process. So now here's the part I'm trying to process in my mind. Obviously, there was an exchange of drugs through the the body Mm -hmm. in the pregnancy how are you helping the mom have a connection with this baby when they had an addiction and didn't realize that now there was another individual who's going to go through all the things that you have already seen and they don't understand? Yeah, I think really talking with them in a trauma-informed way, meaning everyone has a journey. We don't know anyone's journey. I have no idea what things that our families have been through. So going in and just treating them like, they were your son or daughter, or my, you know, sister. Um, making sure that they know that we're with them and we are not judging. We just want to help. A lot of times with families, once they see their baby, they're like, okay, I've got to do something. Mm-hmm. If they can have the right people say the right things at the right time, hopefully that's Sasha by staff, we can react and actually get them the treatment that they want. We really reduce all barriers to treatment, meaning if they don't have transportation, we have transportation. Mm -hmm. If they don't know where to go, we do the paperwork. We get them, do all of those phone calls for them. Um, If they're ready, we jump at the chance to be able to see if we can get them in treatment. We know that babies do best with their biological parents. And what that means is then we have to heal those parents so that they're well and the environment's safe to send them home. Yeah, because I think, and you would know better than I do, I I don't know, um, there was a need for this. That's why you chose to do this. Um, But when we've heard of addiction and there's a baby, then we separate them because we don't know where the health is really going to be beneficial to the child. If a mother was using, then what is she going to do after that child's born? So now you're saying, no, we're going to help you through this process. Yeah, we. so we offer, our, our program starts prenatally. So if families listen to this podcast and they're like, oh my gosh, there's help out there. Um, those families that we meet prenatally, starting to get them well, get them into treatment, get them, you know, whatever they're open for, food, housing, transportation, and then helping them. Last month, 87% of our families that were with us prenatally were well and took their babies home to a safe environment. And so we offer that, but then we offer postpartum whatever they need. So if a family isn't well at the time that they deliver, again, let's just, what are you open for? What what are you going to do? So how are they able to find you? Is this something that is, you already know that child is going to be born with the um, dependency? It depends on the, on the family. So we get referrals from hospitals, from different behavioral health centers, from families. Um, word of mouth really, really travels fast. Um, you never know where we're going to find out about this, this um, pregnancy and this family that's struggling. But then we just meet them where they're at. If that's prenatally, if that's after their baby's born, 
if that's when their baby gets placed into foster care, sometimes that's the spark that they need that they go, okay, it's really hard to get well, but I've got to do it for my baby. And that's when we just step in and go, okay, what can we do? And we do have the resources or we have the partnerships with the different community members that can help help them succeed. I like that you said there's 87%. That was last month. We're usually 79%, but I was last, increased. Yes. Oh, last good. month, my team, I'm like, look at what you've done. Right? I'm so impressed. We, we really have been um, 79, 81% is where we usually are. But mm-hmm. um, last month, they were rocking it and families were rocking it. So, so this is where I'm actually going to give a shout out to some of the volunteers that are part of this because this is a mm-hmm. volunteer program. And I learned about you guys because I'm very active in the community myself with a lot of different things that I do. And I attended a um, recognition for volunteers a couple of months back in Gilbert. Yes. And one of the volunteers was being recognized for as many hours um that were, I don't remember the hours, so I can't oh. tell you what they are. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never heard of this organization. And all she did was be a baby hugger. And yeah. you know, so I thought that was just great. So shout out to our volunteers who make these things happen, whether it's this organization or others. Yeah. And so there's got to be another joy in that too, because there's also successes. Like you said, 87% from what you said, 79. Yeah. And 79 is really, really high. So I always am like, oh, that's amazing. But look what we did. And I think just for everyone to realize that one baby's worth it. One family is worth it. And so it is a lot of work. Um, But it's worth it. And anything in life is a lot of work when you don't have an understanding or patience or the resources or the education. I'm sure there's other things I can add, but that's something that comes to the forefront of my mind, which brings me to not just the 87% and the amazing volunteers. What happens if a mother says, this is just too much for me and this is not what I can do. I can't bond, I don't, I don't wanna do this. Do you have an answer as to where you can put them, help them, give them the resources or guidance? Absolutely. I mean, if it's one of those, do you want a parent or do you not want a parent? Like that's adoption is an option. Mm -hmm. We do. We partner with different adoption agencies. Um, If they just think right at this moment, they can't do it. Maybe there's family that can help. Um, DCS, Department of Child Safety, we work with them very closely with every single family because we need to make sure baby's safe. Mm -hmm. But just because baby goes to foster care doesn't mean that there's not a plan to reunify. And sometimes we just need to get mom and dad well. And little by little, then we ultimate goal of getting them, you know, reunified. Just depends on where the family's at. I want to say I am really glad that you said that just because a child goes to foster care doesn't mean that it's a permanent thing. Although we do know that does happen. I have met some individuals and I've shared their stories here too. Mm -hmm. And that comes with other things on their journey, of course. But it's not a guarantee that you're going to go through a foster system. It's sometimes helping the mom and the rest of the family that says, this is a timeout till we get where you need to be to be healthy so that we can be reunited. I like that you said that. I love the timeout because it really is. We call it like if a family's struggling, um, I always say there's oopsies of course. and and there's oopsies in life and let's just get over the oopsie. How long, and this may not even have an answer, you have a program. Is there a time frame to where you say, okay, you're healthy enough or how does it work? 
Oh, I let family stay as long as they'll have me. <laughs> um, I I think my longest mama that we're working with is four and a half years. Wow. I, yeah. I and and that's here and there. You know, she pops in and says, "Okay, I need this," or "Can you direct me for this? Can you write me a letter of reference?" Um, families that are engaged longer, they have community and they're well. Perfect. And so I always am like, whatever you'll do. What they end up doing, though, that mom, is she really mentors the other families. So when they're able to see that, oh, my gosh, her, her daughter's thriving. She's four years old, and she talks, and she walks, and she's amazing. Um, that really gives people hope. And that's that's what they can do. And I think really they're able to then feel like they gave back and that maybe their really rough journey met something because now they're able to give pay it forward, I guess. I like to call it the me too factor. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will go out there and do something, but if they really don't understand what it is they're doing when they come across someone, they can say, I understand, which you won't hear me say I understand unless I really do understand. And I think that's just a catchphrase that people say because they don't know what else to say. When you've got someone that says, been here done that still going through it I can help you I'm proof of it totally yeah yeah it, it makes a difference we have um uh two moms and a dad that went through our program that now work for us as peer supports oh wow and they actually do exactly that you know when when a family comes in they're scared mm-hmm. and I will be like Clarissa Tawny go talk to that mom and if there's a dad I'm like Joey go go do your magic. And they just go in and say, you know, show pictures of their kids and where they're at and share their journey. And it makes a difference. You can see the, like the weight of the world by the time they leave, just like, I really can do this. Well, you know, we get prepared for the baby showers. (laughs) But we don't get prepared of what do you do after the baby's born? <laughs> right? No. Just yeah, a book. Totally. Totally. Yeah. We we offer 50, 50 plus um, virtual groups a month, anywhere from smart recovery to how to change a diaper, how to give a developmental bath, um, teething, whatever that is. So we're, we're meeting the needs of baby, but then also kind of intertwining that into families' recoveries. We, we have a triple P parenting class that I personally wish I would have known about what when is my that? kids. It is an evidence-based um, parenting class that you go to an eight to 10-week course um, that we have on site. You can do it virtually too, but you get certified in, you know, how to discipline your baby or your child. Um, why do you parent or why do you think you parent um and and what are those I guess myths and facts so like maybe I was growing up and my parents spanked me well there's now data on exactly what that does to your a developing brain and why you shouldn't do it um many of my families this is cyclical you know their parents used their grandparents used this is not um why and now you're doing this triple p parenting and that's why i am that the way i am um looking at trauma all of those things and so that hopefully they'll be able to be good parents which is what they want Mm -hmm. my parents love their babies 
And well, life has so many struggles already. Mm-hmm. Then you add a child that you don't, there's not a language to understand. You have to <laughs> learn it, right? There's no word Absolutely. to say, I'm hungry, I have a dirty diaper, or I'm not feeling good. You just have to learn the language. Absolutely. And with what you're saying, there's one thing that came to my mind, and, and we've heard this time and time again, the shaken baby syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. usually comes to a point where a parent has been very frustrated and don't know what else to do and they just shake because they don't think there's anything else that, if you shake them they'll stop crying when there's yeah. other things that obviously we've learned that um, are a consequence absolutely we mm-hmm. I always tell my families when they're ready to leave I'm like it is okay to put your baby down mm-hmm. alone on their back in their crib the mm-hmm. ABCs mm-hmm. Go outside, set your timer on your phone for five, ten minutes, get your stuff together, and then go back in. Because babies feed off of that anxiety. So they can feel you're getting upset, they're getting upset, and it just keeps escalating. Mm -hmm. And um, families are like, so that's all right? I'm like, for ten minutes, it's all right. (laughs) I'm like, absolutely. And I tell them about, you know, I can remember my husband you know, not coming home at 5 p.m. And I was like, I'm ready. Yes, I need somebody you know, now. Yeah, and I tell them, you know, you'd need that time out yes. of I just need a time out. Mm-hmm. And when you tell them that they're like, oh, OK, I didn't know. And so our parenting classes talk a lot about just simple um, tips and tricks to parenting, like things that I didn't know that my friends or my aunt and uncle taught me. And I went, didn't know that well my families don't always have someone to tell us this is normal this isn't not this Mm -hmm. is not normal Mm -hmm. um and hopefully hushabai can be that link or we can help connect them with um healthy families or teachers as parents whatever those groups are in the community that do such good work to um help them thrive now, are you also a resource for people if they don't go through your program but have learned about your program or know someone who's had a small child that they want some help? Are you also a resource? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're a, a, an organization that is working with families that have struggled or are struggling with substance use. That is our, our you know, niche. If you say, okay, I have a mom that needs a parenting class, and they reach out to me, I will find you a parenting class. It may not be at Hushabai, but Hope Women's Center, I can name off four or five organizations that do it, and it's free. It's not like you would have to pay for for um, these different things. But, yeah. I, Good to know. If someone knows somebody that needs something if if anyone has a family member that is struggling with substance use please send them my way if if it's not a good fit for hushabai we have so many resources that we can do referrals and we won't just do a here's your referral list we will do the should we call should we make the call right now or do you want me to do the referral and they're going to call you Mm -hmm. um but what do you do if you don't have a phone? That's something, another barrier oh. that we didn't, you know, even address. Families don't have phones. They don't, if they have a phone, maybe they don't have internet connection. Um, if you have a phone, you don't have electricity. Mm-hmm. My phone dies every eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those barriers that really make it that um, it's hard to get support. 
You just put a reality check into me for a moment, and I, I and that's why I like doing what I'm doing because there's things that I can't imagine to think of, yeah. which is why I ask the questions, and then the information you provide. Yeah. Things that we take for granted. I say this totally. all the time. Things we take for granted that there's going to be someone who's always going to have a phone. Not everyone has a phone. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has an yeah. address. Not everyone has electricity. Not there's a lot of conditions that those of us who do have them, even if we're struggling to have them, we have them. Absolutely. I I was we do statistics and data and one of our biggest needs is food mm-hmm. for families and I'm like we sign everyone up for you know SNAP and and WIC and and that food assistance I'm like how and they're like well if you don't have a refrigerator to put the cheese in if you don't have electricity to boil water if you don't have running water how do you make beans or whatever I'm like Boy, I am definitely, you know, living in a little shell but because I had no idea. Yeah. It makes sense, mm-hmm. but it that didn't make sense to me. And now I'm like, okay, so um, we partner with the food banks and every family when they come in, um, offering them something to eat before we even start talking. Right now, giving them some water, mm-hmm. my goodness it's those little things that are so so easy that we don't realize there's something that you just triggered in my mind is all the different volunteers because i'm an advocate for for volunteering there's not enough hours in a day otherwise i would probably do it all the time but that doesn't pay the bills either (laughs) Right? right? right but um once a month there's a church here it's trinity church and um they and there's other churches too that they do give out food and you'll see the line of people and when I was younger, my mom was one of those recipients. So I'm always giving back as best as I can. Mm-hmm. And so when I stand in line, I have a big smile on my face knowing someone that did this for my mother and us when we were younger, yeah. and there's no questions asked. So now we get to go through there and say, do you want this and this? And you know, like you said, there's yeah. dietary needs or there's certain things that you can't cook certain things because yeah. it's just not, it's not available. But when we put them in the cars, trunks back of the trucks whatever it's like we just fed another family for however long and some people would say oh well you know they know where their food is for free whatever the case may be the the resources are there they are and it i i have have had this discussion of you know when you see someone that is is panhandling or asking for money on this on the corner um they're like don't give them money because they're gonna go buy drugs and i'm like maybe they won't maybe they'll go buy something because they're hungry Mm -hmm. or maybe they will go buy drugs Mm -hmm. um they're in need Mm -hmm. and i can't imagine being that way Mm -hmm. um i had one one gentleman that now runs is very high up in the salvation army and he, he told me when he lived downtown Phoenix under a bush for years, wow. um, strug- struggled with substance use and mental health, and now he's recovered and mm-hmm. dead and everything. Mm-hmm. But he goes, the worst thing was to not be seen. Wow. And so um, I challenge myself every time that, you know, I may not give someone money, mm-hmm. but I do a wave you know, when we're driving by for them to just be seen. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if you're someone's Mm -hmm. loved one, um, and if it were my 
sons, um, and I drove by, I would want people to treat them with dignity and respect. Which brings me to something else, and I'm glad that you were able to bring that up. So this, this is one of those, I am certain you have several success stories. Share a success story with me. Yeah, my... My, my best success story is I was working with um, a mom and dad that were very, very unwell, um, both struggling with substance use. They'd had their, their baby at one of the local hospitals. Um, her other three children were not in her care I believe, I think even rights probably were severed. And when they came in, their little one was really, really struggling, having a hard time. And mom and dad were homeless. Um, It was the middle of the summer. They were, you know, having a hard time. And really for the first three nights, um, (laughs) we were a hotel and food and air conditioning. Mm -hmm. That was it. And in the middle of the night, they, well, prior to the third night, they really didn't pay much attention to their baby. Mm-hmm. And we were all kind of like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is going to be a long stay. Their baby was really, really struggling. And um, we just kind of felt like, I don't want to say they were using us, but, boy, they were taking every little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not really there for their baby. And in the middle of the night, on the third night, um, baby starts crying the nurses walk in and mom is up changing the diaper looks at him and is like what what's up and they're like oh no just keep doing what you're doing and he had the best night he had had his mom was engaged that next day when I went in to talk with her the nurses were like tell that mom to come back whoever that was (laughs) and I was like okay so you know I went in there and I'm like I am so proud of you and she was like, what? And you could kind of see that tears were coming. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? And I'm like, he has responded to you. My gosh, he needs you. Mm-hmm. And look what you've done. And she was like, really? I And I'm like, yeah, he needs you. And um, she was like, okay. And so I'm very open with my families. I don't sugarcoat anything. And I'm like, so whatever you didn't do yesterday, could you not do again today please (laughs) and she starts you know laughs and I'm like you know what I'm talking about she's like yes um that little one went to foster care the parents went to um treatment did their 90 days then they went to a residential treatment um they 19 months later it took 19 months to get them reconnected but oh gosh he's over he's past two now um she has not used mm. since 72 hours of them being at Hushabai. So when I told her, don't use, yeah. and just gave her a little bit of hope, yeah. I asked her what was different with this little one compared to the other three. And she goes, this one, I was in it. I had bonded with him, and I knew I had to do it. With her other ones, she was able to visit, but only able to visit for 30 minutes. I think she may have used on-site at the hospital, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So she could visit for 30 minutes with security in the room. She said, every time I left, my baby was crying. Oh, there was a bond being built. And she goes, I felt like I wasn't the best for them. Oh, And so she... 
left and never returned because she felt like, you know, after 30 minutes, she's ready to leave. And she felt like she made them more upset Mm -hmm. than not. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just felt like they're better without me. Okay. And this one, they're parenting. They work. They're they're just rock stars. And so when you see that recovery and my team, my whole team, um, they need to just embrace that because I was one at the very beginning that was like, there's no way this is going to be successful. And now I see them and I'm just so beyond proud of them. And now they're expecting another baby planned pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> um, well, with, with experience and skills and, exactly. and resources and exactly. backing. That's wonderful. It is. That's Thank, wonderful. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And we had mentioned earlier that the foster care is not always a permanent thing. It's just a timeout time yeah. thing. The, their foster mom actually babysits for them now. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's even better. So it's just a bigger family. Community. Oh yeah. yeah. Bigger family. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story and all of the things that you shared as far as your program of Hushabai Nursery. Yes. Now, I do have one final question that's not related to, well, it could be depending on your answer. Mm-hmm. And if I thought that I knew someone or wanted to know something more about someone, I would ask only the one question. And it's this question. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life? Never say never. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had with Hushabai, I've had challenges galore. And I was told by one person that we couldn't do it. Mm. My husband's like, darn it. Why did he say that? <laughs> um, because I'm like, oh, yeah. When we opened our doors, I sent him an invitation. It's like, come see mm. what we couldn't do because mm-hmm. we were able to. There was a need and we filled it. I think in a way, that's what you're doing with these families, too. They probably already feel helpless, mm-hmm. hopeless. Totally. Yeah. Totally and, hopeless. And then you gave them the, hey, we can do this. You don't think yeah. you can. No one needs to remind you or tell you that you can't. Let's show them that we can. Yeah. I it's like so that. true. That's how I see it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing Hushabai Nursery and for your time today. This inspiring story was brought to you by MMG, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. 